Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn, and turn us on. Really exciting day today. Um, look, uh, one of the things we wanted to do is, first of all, later on today, and we'll give you the details of this, but for the moment, i got to back off of my microphone there. Um, later on today, you will hear Mark Anthony and I do our show together, The Psychic and the Doc. And so today, we're doing almost like a part one of that show. Uh, it is, for me, we're going to be talking about uh, the energy of foe, fright, and freedom. And what does this mean as you delve into the minds of these strange bedfellows? Later on today, we're going to be talking about Mark's favorite topic, I think, which is Friday the 13th. So we're going to kind of give you a little bit of a piece of each of it today, uh, early on this show. And of course, we'll open up phone lines. But later on today, on the Psychic and the Duck, that's 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time on Transformation Talk Radio. One of the things I want to say, it is already a highly popular show. We're opening up phone lines. We're going to be talking about Friday the 13th. And I don't know, I'm working on getting Benny. I'm working on getting my head to spin 360 degrees. And maybe I will have green vomit, but I don't know if I can get that done by four o'clock today. Wow. I mean, things are possible, though. I mean, <laughs> think positive? I don't know like, how to oh say anything off of that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is it. We're talking about now. Look, this is what I want to say about this show. For those of you that know Mark Anthony, he needs no introduction. For those of you that know me, I don't even know how to introduce myself. But Today, I want to say you're talking with somebody, best-selling author, the psychic lawyer, uh, the psychic explorer, award-winning, critically acclaimed. He does more media than anybody I know, and I do a lot, but fourth-generation psychic medium, what does that mean to Friday the 13th? For me, um, I'm Dr. Pat. I have known and been known as that person that works with you on how to get street smart in your life. So today, fasten your seatbelts as we take a shot at looking into the mind, the mind of foe, fright, and freedom. Mark, are you ready? I am ready, Dr. Pat. Thank you for having me on the show and to all the listeners, hello. And you know, this is a version of the psychic and the doc. And uh, honestly, I thought we were gonna play that intro, but we didn't, <laughs> we didn't get the memo to Benny. Um, but here's the thing I want to say about it. Let's talk about, you know, when, when you and I decided to talk about both right and freedom, what was the first thing that came up for you when you're thinking about it? Well, there, there's a lot of facets to that. And, you know, what's going on right now, our, our very democracy is being put to the test. And, you know, you and I are very good about, about not uh, weighing in on either side, because the thing is, 
you know, we have people that, that like uh, this show and the psychic and the doc on both sides of the aisle. And we certainly oh, yeah. don't want to alienate anybody. But faux fright and freedom, freedom is something that that many of us take for granted. You know, we we have to realize that yesterday was Veterans Day. And, and I put up a post and I said, it's Veterans Day. Let's put aside our differences and honor the men and women who sacrificed their lives so that we can express those differences. And that is a big part of faux fright and freedom because we take that for granted. And I've been to dictatorships, absolute monarchies and places all over the world where there is no expressing another opinion. There's one opinion and guess what? It's not the opinion of the people. And, you know, so, so I think it's um, with Friday the 13th, Veterans Day, and uh, the aftermath of the election, I think a lot of people are afraid. And, and you know, last week, Dr. Pat, our show was about living in uncertain times. Well, this is kind of the show in that wake, because still, we are living in uncertain times. I got to do it. Benny. Yep. I got to do it. Okay. Busted flat in Baton Rouge, waiting for a train. When I was feeling nearly faded as my jeans. Bobby thumbed down, diesel down, just before it rained. And I rode us all the way to New Orleans. I pulled the harpoon out of my dirty red bandana. I was playing soft while Bobby sung the blues. Yeah. Windshield wipers slapping time. I was holding Bobby's hand in mine. We sang every song our driver knew. Why? Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Benny, you want to play that? Uh, I, I think you're doing just I mean, fine. I think we're. Honey, if it ain't free. <laughs> we won't be cleared. I think you did. You did amazing. Freedom's great. just another word for nothing left to lose. I mean, think about these words. If we get to that point, where freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. And, and she goes on to say nothing, I mean nothing. But then she says, honey, if, if it isn't free. And I love those words of the late and great Janis Joplin. Because we need to bring the free back to freedom today. Isn't that what you're talking about, Mark? Absolutely. You know, when you're talking Absolutely. about political systems and angst, in this country, you and I get to stand up and say, oh, my God, am I going to say this? Please, all of you beautiful Bernie Sanders fans, please don't send me hate mail because I, I only mean this in the best of spirit. I get to say to Bernie, I, help me understand like I'm a fifth grader. Explain to me what it would look like if you actually switched parties and became a Democrat. So I asked that very simple question because I'm looking at a bigger picture. But see, in the United States, we could pretty much ask what you want, except we're not going to talk about conspiracy theories because we don't want Facebook to put up a little big fat sign. What are you talking about, Mark? What is the crux of what you're feeling today? Well, think about... Um... Well, let's not talk about the U.S. Let's talk about Russia. Okay, you just had uh, Vladimir Putin's number one opponent ends up getting poisoned. Yeah. 
All right. Um, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, uh, most of uh, his family disappears and we pretty much know what happened to them. This is nothing new. This is nothing unusual. In fact, for most of human history, that has been the rule rather than a, the exception. And uh, 240 some odd years ago, a group of men uh, had a radical idea that maybe for the first time in history, there should be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that totalitarianism and absolutism and vesting all power into one person should be, should be stopped, ergo checks and balances. So, you know, America is, is far from perfect. And what we also have to realize, we're the great experiment in democracy. We're an idea, a concept, and we are fragile. And right now, this is um, being put to the test. And, but I, you know, Dr. Pat, call me an incurable optimist. Me too. But I think we're going to be just fine. And I actually think that all this turmoil that's going on right now is good in the long run because it's flushing to the surface so much of the undercurrent, so much of people that feel that they're being disenfranchised, people that have traditionally been disenfranchised, people who are, have been afraid to express uh, their feelings. All this is coming to the surface because we need to deal with it. I mean, as a psychologist, is denial and behavior, I mean, denial and avoidance a behavior that helps solve problems? Hey, Pat, you got to unmute yourself there, uh, darling. Oh, I know. There I was just go. talking Thanks. to myself right there before I actually unmuted myself because I had to warm up for that, Benny. Sometimes you to just got to. Sometimes answer. you got to. I get so it. Did, I know. Did you see my mouth moving like before I even said something? <laughs> yep. So what I'm saying is without getting all psychological, here's the thing that we learn in psychology. There are things and behaviors we do that help us for the moment we're in. Let me give you an example. Um, at six years old, my mom commits suicide. So there's a part of how that impacted my life then, you know, and there are coping mechanisms that we develop. But there's, it's almost like break, break even analysis in finance. You know, like if you ever take an economic class, which I did, you get to this thing called break even analysis, where up until a point, things kind of working towards the same goal, and then they don't. It's like a crisscross on a financial page where one goes in one direction and one goes in the other. There's a point where denial works really, really well. And then there's a point where it stops. Yeah. And most of us only recognize that by the amount of pain we experience on the inside and how we act that out on the outside. Let me give you an example. Growing up in the 60s, Mark, right? Growing up in the 60s and walking through Central Park, and watching my friend, a gay man, get knifed and beaten in front of me, that will change you to step out of the realm of denial. That will change you. You know, I talked to Allison Jacobson this morning. She's called the safety mom. Losing her infant, then her husband in a wheelchair, that changed her to become the safety mom. That changed her to be a spokesperson. So what we're seeing is the unshackling of denial by groups of people right now. Yes. Black lives matter. Black lives have always mattered, but they matter in a way now 
where it isn't one-sided. You know, when we went through the 60s and people marched, they marched separately. Yes. Did you see people that were of white skin march with Martin Luther King? Yeah, there's stories about them, but they're few and far between. Now what we have is the face of denial is being ripped down from people, not, not this group or the other. But in that realm, there is a fight for freedom. All of us, Mark. We fight for freedom on the inside until we no longer can hold that back, right? right. You know, we watch things happen in other countries. You know, we become spokespeople for people like Nelson Mandela get, getting incarcerated. But now we live in the United States of America and it's our freedom has never been more in front of us than before. We can speak out, we can act out, we can do out because we live here, don't we? We, we do. And, you know, also uh, uh, taking the, the flip side of the coin, fear, that's what we're talking about, fear. And think about the people who are afraid of the Black Lives Matter movement. They feel that somehow they're going to be disenfranchised, that somehow they're going to be reverse discriminated against. And I think it's important for their feelings to be expressed and discussed as well. And now I posted a quote from Abraham Lincoln the other day on, on my Facebook page. I said, whoever wins, stay calm. And the Lincoln quote was, we are not enemies, we are friends. Now, he said that in 1861, and of course, there was a lot of, you know, the cynics writing, oh, isn't that before Americans started killing each other? And it's like, yes, it was, <laughs> because we weren't talking, okay? The talking stopped, and fear is what is motivating. Fear leads to anger, which leads to rage and, and violence, and the fears of everybody need to be addressed and discussed. And so that's what we're talking about today is, is uh, fear, foe, or freedom. And overcoming fear is part of freedom. When you look at um, being afraid of the government, fearing the government, that's, that's a terrifying thing. Uh, and like I said, I've been to dictatorships where fearing the government was a very, very real thing. Uh, I mean, I've seen people rounded up and just yanked off the street. And of course, things like that happen here, but it's supposed to be through due process and the warrant requirement. And, uh, you know, that, that uh, there's a legal process for all of that. But, you know, fear, fear is motivating a lot of negativity. And that's why it is so important for us to have these dialogues where people are expressing what their fears and what their concerns are. In the final analysis, having been around the world, people are people. I, I have found that it doesn't matter what religion, uh, race, uh, you know, ethnic background, your belief system, whatever, most people want the same thing. They want to live in a neighborhood that they feel is safe. They want their children to feel loved. They want uh, food on the table. They want to come home after a job to someone who cares about them, who loves about them. They want a roof over their head. They want peace. I would say probably over 99% of the people in the world, that's what they want. And so when we start expressing our fears, 
we'll find that so much, there's so much commonality in what we're afraid of. And by discussing that, we're going to start yeah. dispelling it. And so that's why my mantra is, look, whoever wins, whatever the vote count is, people who disagree with you are not the enemy. They just have different ideas on how to solve problems facing all of us. And that's what makes America, America. And that's what makes a democracy, a democracy. You know, I, I think that what we're, what we're talking about here today is what does the journey look like from the inside out to get to that place of acceptance? And that is an inside job, Mark, right? We know that. Sure. But there are times we cannot do it alone. I, I mean, I've had a lot of help in my life. I've had a lot of people help me, and I'm not afraid to ask for help now. Um, but there are moments that you're right. We get afraid. You know, we get afraid. You know, there's moments like for somebody like me, I have been fighting for rights most of my life, uh, not just for me, but for other people, but for things that I believed in. That's what we do here. You know, that's what we can do here. But how do we move forward in this realm of our belief, our willingness and our freedom to protest? How do we do this and still respect the dignity of each other? Because I, you know, I think that's part of the fear now. Yeah. You know, it's when you go from fear to foe. See, there's that line, right, that yep. we cross where I'm afraid, I'm afraid, that's great. But I'm afraid because what? You're an idiot. No, that's like fear to foe, right? We're not saying that we're not human. And we, honestly, we got the freedom to be afraid here. Yeah right and then we express that but there's such a super energy that we can help people with today to move to the place where you don't go through the middle which is called foe and you go right from fear to freedom you see what i'm saying absolutely but a lot of times it goes from my friend corrected me she says it starts with foe i don't know fear to foe and then maybe we can get to freedom we want to take the foe out because the foe ain't no mole. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I keep getting back to demonizing people who don't agree with you. That, one of the reasons I, I put the, that quote on Facebook, I was doing a, a social study of my own, and most of the people were getting it, but then there are people, well, the left wing has been doing this, the right wing has been doing that, and it's like, okay, um, boys and girls, that's exactly what I've been talking about. We're demonizing each other, okay? Um, you know, not all uh, Democrat ideas are bad. Not all Democrat ideas are good. Not all Republican ideas are bad. Not all Republican ideas are good. I mean, it, it's like, why, you know, but we have to discuss them. When you look at, uh, through, through our founding fathers, um, we, we think of them as this monolithic group of noble men. Well, George Washington, <laughs> okay, um, and Thomas Jefferson, the first and third presidents, owned human beings, okay? They were slave owners. And in between them came John Adams. And they didn't like John Adams. And in fact, when um, the Adams-Jefferson election, Jefferson accused John Adams of being a hermaphrodite. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, we think that the news media gets nasty now. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson accused John Adams of being a hermaphrodite and essentially transgendered in the day. Yep. 
Benjamin Franklin owned a newspaper and used to print the most scathing things about people under pen names and pseudonyms. When you start looking at how dirty and nasty our politics were from day one. But what was fascinating is George Washington served two terms and he very well have, could have been elected to a third term, but he voluntarily relinquished power when John Adams was elected. Now, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, Adams was the president, Jefferson was his VP, they hated each other, okay? And, and then when, when Jefferson won, Adams refused to show up at the inauguration. Now, I'm not saying uh, of, of Jefferson. Now, I'm not saying that history is going to repeat itself in January, but if I were a betting man, I'd say it probably is. So we have to look at the past as prologue. We've been through these things before. We got through them. And what we have to see and what you're very, very in, incisively identifying, Dr. Pat, is where the fear turns into foe. Right. And where the dialogue broke down was in 1861. And we stopped talking and it did turn into open civil yeah. war. Yeah. And we need to make sure that such a horrific thing never happens again. And yeah. that's going to start by don't demonize someone because they disagree with you. You, you can say, well, I don't agree with their ideas, and I think their ideas are idiotic. Attack the problem, not the person. Uh, there's a new TV show that's coming out, and I'm not going to get it right. I, I'd like to go to a break, and we can talk about it. Um, there's a new C TV show that's coming out, but there are a couple things that I want to point to about this for those of you out there. Um, we're going to talk about what the bridge is to go from fear, skip bow, and go to freedom. It is the most exquisite and beautiful energy on the planet. It not only is this place where you will feel this sense of unleashing your light, but you will not have to undo the absolute shackles of an energetic demise of foe. That's what we're doing today. Now, for those of you out there, if you want some help with this, if you want to see if there's someone on the other side, because I'll tell you who's on the other side for me. It's my stepmom. She's saying, you got to talk about this, child. You got to talk about this. I could hear my stepmom doing that because mom and dad were not of the same party. They were not of the same opinion. They were not. But what did they create in us to help us understand? And here's what I want to say. Are you ready to annihilate the foe energy in you? I'm not saying doe like a deer. I'm saying like foe, like in a horror movie. We're going to take a short break, everybody. When we come back, we're taking your calls. 1-800-930-2819. Who is it that is out there energetically for you to help you guide a pathway to freedom. And you know, we're mentioning politics, but it isn't about politics today. It's really the energy of who we are and who we wanna be. You know, it's when we can no longer sit down with our friends because they have one opinion about something or the other. Let's get rid of this for good. Benny, let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Mark Anthony and me, Dr. Pat. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. 
We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. How to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Message delivery by Lisa Ann. You can't make this stuff up. Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Message delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit AngelMessages2U.com. That's AngelMessages, the number two, the letter U, dot com. Tune into Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday of the month at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. Join Susan and her guests as they share the stories that shift our souls about radical transformations, courageous breakthroughs, and life lessons. Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce. For more information, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or visit Susan's website at SusanDolce.com. Imagine you are a ball of steel, smooth, small, and cool to the touch. Your life will soften you with fire. You will take hits that shape you. You will be forged into a powerful, purposeful work of art. Tune in to Forging a Life with Coach Christine Clark. Joining Dr. Pat Basile in a three-part series, Truths in the Creation of Katana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Christine Clark, a gifted, engaging speaker and trainer who has forged her life in the fires of self-employment, will take you on a journey to exploring the internal, mental, and emotional blocks that stand between us and a life of significance through an analogy of the process of crafting a traditional Japanese sword or katana. For more information about Christine, visit sunglowtransformation.com. So for those of you out there, if you want to call into the show right now and just get a sense of what Mark can bring through to help you on this, because this is about how do we get rid of fear? What do we do about it? 1-800-930-2819. And, you know, I I talked about Janice Joplin. You had to be back at that time to understand what she was talking about. And by the way, thank you for texting me. I do know that that song was written, I believe, by Chris Christopherson. And you're right. It was never supposed to be Bobby McGee. Benny, did you know this? No, no, I did not, actually. No, the song was not Bobby McGee. But I think Chris Christopherson, when he first heard it, he heard he it was Bobby McKee, K-E-E. And like like he heard it as McGee. So 
I don't know. Me and Bobby McKee. No, McGee sounds better. I like that. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. Mark, fear. Look, it's as much a part of us as freedom is in the United States. But Viktor Frankl made it very clear. And Viktor Frankl uh, wrote a pivotal book um, and talked about his experiences. When you read his book, like I did the first time, and, you know, this is before I was even anything interested in anything about anything about the mind at all. No interest at all. That wasn't me in my life. I didn't understand it, but I didn't understand my life either. And somebody handed me this book. And the book changed my life because I read the book about a man in a concentration camp. In, you know, right? So concentration camps were prevalent in World War II. And of course, we're referring to Germany, but they existed in different countries. But it was this place where the Jewish population and others were incarcerated, put in, and ultimately put in ovens, tortured, experimented on. That is a real thing. But this guy, this amazing psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, he went into this camp and he did something unusual. He talked and created something of the mind. He and I'll read some of the excerpts. But it's not that he was in denial about the fact that he was in a concentration camp, Mark. He just held a different perspective about his life and himself. He held a perspective of his beloved. And when you read the words of what he said to himself, you walk away from that book saying, wow, is there anything that I cannot shift my energy about? And today we want to help you shift energy. We have opened up the phone lines to see maybe you'll get some insight from the other side or this side, 1-800-930-2819. But we live in an energetic skin, Mark. And, you know, you and I are always shifting energy. And we're human beings as well, aren't we? Uh, yes, we are. And, you know, fear, uh, there, there's a lot of like, especially in the metaphysical realm, there's this thought that all love is good and all fear is bad. And I don't think it's anywhere near that simplistic. All love is not good. If you fall in love with a sociopath, that is not a good thing. And as an attorney, I have seen a lot of people who have done exactly that. Or people who fall in love with someone that's a drug addict or an alcoholic that can have disastrous results. Uh, however, love is, is a very powerful and a very healing force. All fear is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, sticking your hand into a bucket full of rattlesnakes, I think it's good to be afraid of doing that. Um, but fear is a terrible state to live in. And the infliction of fear has been used as a form of manipulation and control by government, by religion, by bullies. Okay, bullies control and manipulate by fear. And being liberated from fear is, is a beautiful thing. I mean, uh, think how many times in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where Jesus says, fear not. Because what he was trying to convey to people is that you really shouldn't be afraid of God. You really shouldn't live in a state of fear. And to replace that fear with a love, a love for yourself, a love for your fellow humans. And a lot of what's going on in our country now, when, when Jesus was asked the question, who is my neighbor? Okay, that applies now. Who is your neighbor? 
and he talked about uh, the Good Samaritan. We're all familiar with that parable, and Samaritans didn't like Jewish people, but the Samaritan in the story comes to the rescue of a Jewish man who's uh, horribly beaten and, and, uh, um, and left for dead. And so who is my neighbor now? If you're a Democrat, your neighbor is the Republican. If you're an independent, your neighbor is, is the Democrat or the Libertarian. We are all each other's neighbors. And, and, you know, I like to look at the United States not so much as a melting pot, but as one big dysfunctional family. And sometimes families don't get along and they argue and they get angry with each other. But that doesn't mean we need to be afraid of each other. Nobody should be afraid of expressing their opinions. And people should not be afraid that if they express their opinion, there's going to be violence inflicted upon them. And so I think that with flushing all of these ideas to the and these this turmoil to the surface, people have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to address these fears and to, to reduce them. And, and look at it this way. We have lived through how many different presidents? Okay, America swings to the right, then it'll swing to the left, then it'll swing to the right, and then it'll swing to the left, and we're still here. So look at the past and look forward to the future. Oh, you're muted again, Dr. Yeah, Pat. the thing that to me that's really different, Mark, and maybe it's not different, maybe I'm different, let me just say that, but what seems different to me now? Um, okay, I'm going to go a little old school on you. Um, even at his worst, and I have to go back to Richard Nixon. I mean, you know, talk about polarization, sure. right? But even at one, what people call one of the worst points in our history, and I want to be clear about what these are. These were not times of peaceful protests. None of us engaged in peaceful protests. Did we try? We did. We sat. We wouldn't get out of the streets. We, I mean, there were things that were done that turned into horrific acts of violence. Horrific. But that is the time we had to go through here. That is the time. And, you know, Aretha Franklin was, believe it or not, yes, Aretha, she was in her own right, you know, a beautiful activist, right? She talked about peace until it doesn't work anymore in her own way. And it's hard for me. My mama used to say to me, my mama from the South, Doris, Mama Doris, Whenever we would talk and I would tell her, well, what she's, she would be like, well, where, where are you marching now, honey? Where are you going now? Can I come? I'm like, mama, you can come. You want to come up here to New York? No, we're going to march down here. I said, okay. She said, don't get yourself killed. It's <laughs> just like, okay. But that was that. My dad, on the other hand, <laughs> my dad was a little bit different. You know, my dad was, you know, this guy that grew up at a time of violence. He grew up at a time where carrying a gun was the thing to do. And believe it or not, when my dad got older 
And he got a security job at age 70 something. They gave him a gun again. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Oh. It's like, look out. But that was then. This is now. Here's the difference for me. We could argue politics. We could talk about wrong and right. We could talk about was that right for you to break into somebody's Democratic National Convention file drawers? Was that illegal? And most people would say that is not a good thing. Today, we are separated on what's right and what's wrong. We're separated on values. And when you're separated on values, you move from fear to foe because you're right and I'm wrong. How do we get beyond that so we can have a conversation and honor each other? I think that, well, traditionally, Americans have come together when there's an external threat. If, you know, and look, I don't want to plunge us into a war. Yeah. Um, you know, but look at the, the aftermath of 9-11. All of a sudden, Americans were all galvanized. We were all together. Certainly after Pearl Harbor and, and you go throughout throughout history, people have been galvanized. I think that maybe if, if our politicians would work on something that is of a common benefit to everyone, I don't know, like uh, infrastructure, <laughs> okay, like rebuilding our roads, our airports, maybe we need to start with some very basic fundamentals before we get into changing any type of structure of society or, or, you know, things that might be deemed socialism or things that might be deemed social Darwinism, you know, by the either side. Um, I think that the foundation of going from foe to, to, to freedom is appealing to what everybody needs what everybody wants and I think everybody wants clean air clean water uh, safe roads airports that work bridges that don't collapse I think if we started there we need to realize that as human beings what unites us is stronger than what divides us. It's what I was talking about earlier. Most people in the world, we all want safe neighborhoods. Well, there's a thought on, on one side that um, the Biden and Harris administration will turn our neighborhoods into war zones. And then there's uh, a feeling from uh, the Biden-Harris camp about uh, the Trump camp that uh, all of a sudden neo-Nazis are gonna be marching down the streets. So we gotta realize that um, People on both sides aren't going to tolerate either one of those. And so what unites us is, is more powerful than what divides us. And I think that, that that's where the focus needs uh, to be right now. So it may not be you know, changing healthcare. It may not be changing our tax structure. It may, not, it may be with some basic services that everybody needs, everybody uses. And I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, and that certainly sounds more simplistic than it is. But when people realize that, you know, the definition of politics is the allocation of resources. And so the fight is, it, once again, it all comes down to money. Okay, it's all about money. You know, who spends the money? What do you spend it on? So maybe we should start spending on something that everybody uses and everybody needs. And let's start there. And let's, let's uh, bring this tension level down. I think that would be, um, for me, that would be the, the important starting point. And I, I want to step back for a minute and really piggyback off your saying, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the youth for a minute. Um, I have been around for a while and I know what it's like to be in the streets 
I know what it's like to watch Matthew Shepard. I know what it's like to see women go in a dark alley to get an abortion and die. I know what all of that is like. But there's something that I think we have to acknowledge today. And there's a beautiful film that if it's not out now, it's going to come out now by award-winning uh, director and producer. And it's the, called The Day I Had to Grow Up. And this is a conversation that very few people are having, but I would be remiss if I didn't address this. There's nothing about my past or what I've seen or what I've experienced, whether it's Stonewall or Woodstock or, you know, the riots that happened right in my backyard. It doesn't matter that we did call them riots. It doesn't matter about any of that right now. If we don't acknowledge a time in our life where our youth has gone through more tragic transformation and now are rising up. So the, I, I t- mark my word on this, Mark. There will be a conversation somebody has maybe a year from now, maybe five years from now, and they will see the youth that went through the shootings that happened, yeah. that went through so many. You will see them become the next 60s. Where are they now? They're grieving. They don't know what to do. The suicide rate is through the roof. Because to get back to your point, they are not in denial. And this documentary, this film, is so riveting to me. I tried to think of when I saw another film of this nature that literally pinpointed to how these young people have stepped up. And the, the last time I remember is the Sliwa when he went in New York and he created his own police, I call it police department, but he would, his own group, community group. And he said, we're going to monitor our streets. What do you think about that, Mark? What do you think about the rising of our youth? I, I think that it, for the youth, they have a lot of things to be afraid of. And the pandemic has changed their world entirely. I mean, how many of these teenagers didn't get a chance to go to their own graduation? Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but I remember when I graduated high school, I felt like for the first time in my life, I really accomplished something big. You know, I, I got through that. And but that was in a time when if you had a problem with somebody in school, you duped it out afterwards. Now they live in fear of somebody coming into their school and shooting people. So there is a terror there. And we saw this particularly after the Parkland shooting, how many of the teens there, I think it was uh, uh, the, the kid, his last name was Hogg. Um, I think it was a David Hogg, something like that. And uh, he, he went uh, national and all the, the, the kids were talking about you've got to do something about this and it's got to be more than you're in our thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers you know i'm a firm believer in god helps those who help themselves you can sit there all day and send happy thoughts at a problem but you've got to actually do something about it and i think that this could be the galvanization of the youth is we're tired of being butchered and shot you know whether it's virginia tech or parkland i mean you can just go down the list it's like all the time they're shooting after shooting after shooting. Why is this happening? What is this pathos? What is going on here? What is the fear? And it comes down to somebody that's doing this has some morbid fear 
how are we dealing with uh, mentally unstable people in this country? Are we addressing them properly? You know, there are so many things. And I think that this is, Pat, this is what what uh, the youth in the 60s did in, in uh, revolt against being drafted into the Vietnam War and the Vietnam War. I think that this is what's going to, to be the, the galvanizing factor. The, the notable thing is how the COVID-19 pandemic we haven't really seen too many shootings, or I think there's been one or two, which is, you know, one or two too many, but it's only because it's required a clampdown or people avoiding public things and schools being closed. And that's not good. That's not good. It takes a pandemic to stop shootings. So I think that the, the youth uh, feeling, feeling alienated, feeling victimized, and feeling afraid, I think that this is where they're going to really stand up. You know, this is really the conversation we started today, um, where we're talking about freedom. And let's get back to freedom. Freedom, the difference between freedom and not having freedom, it's a thin line, right? We've yes. seen countries all over the world have that thin line. By the way, countries that are divided between free countries, North Korea, South Korea, countries that are like that, it's a thin line that divides them. Literally on a map, it's a thin line, right? Right. Over in, we're watching Putin, and we're watching some of the countries that draw, they drew their thin line and struggle to hold on to that freedom. And I think... There is a spiritual nature to freedom, and that's what I try to hold on to in my life, Mark. There's a spiritual nature to freedom, and it's, it's an energy that's very hard to depict. It's the day that your mom and dad says to you something like, why don't you take the car, honey? What? What? Yeah. Why? Take the car. Here are the keys. Take the car. And you get in the car and you take the car. And here's something we're not talking about. And I, I read a headline this morning from someone. In the realm of freedom, you either trust or you doubt. And there's a lot of gray area in between it. When mom and dad hand you the car keys and they say, honey, why don't you take the car to go to your school dance? They are saying, we trust you with this new freedom. See, and that's what I think people in the United States worry about, whether it's an election of a president or it's an election of someone else. We trust you with our freedom. And that is a promise that is made to us. And so what people fear is the loss, not just of the freedom, but the loss yeah. of the trust, right? Uh, yes. And I, I think, once again, you hit the nail on the head, Dr. Pat. It's fear of loss. One side fears they're going to lose something. The other side fears they're going to lose something. It's the fear of loss. And ultimately, um, the loss is tied into economics, but not entirely. It's like the people who oppose masks. They feel that this is an infringement on their civil rights. Uh, personally, I don't understand that. Um, and I'm going to go public and say, you know, if you don't like wearing a mask, I'm sure you'll love being on a ventilator. 
But, um, you know, because I, I read the reports that come out of the Mayo Clinic and the World Health Organization, Johns Hopkins, Oxford, the Pasteur Institute, the Japanese Institute of Health. I'm reading what's going on worldwide. And until there is some type of treatment or vaccine, uh, the best protection for yourself and to protect others is to wear a mask. Nobody likes wearing them. I don't like wearing them. I don't think Joe Biden likes wearing them. I don't think Mike Pence likes wearing them. I don't think anybody likes wearing them. But the thing is, it's the same thing to do right now. It's like saying, well, I'm gonna to swim to the bottom of the ocean, but not use a scuba tank. Okay, well, you can't do that without it. So, so that is not an infringement on somebody's rights, although the people who are against it fear that it is. And so it, it, the fear um, incites people to do all of these, these violent and, and negative uh, behaviors. So fear of loss is what takes someone to foe and also inhibits freedom. Um, freedom is a philosophical form of government. And I remember studying this in college because I have a degree in political science. And, and the reason that uh, the US was so worried for a long time, the way communism seemed to be catching on in Asia and Africa is because if you go to a group of people laying in the mud in upper vault and say, well, we'll give you the philosophical construct to make your own decisions when they're starving, they would rather have a totalitarian regime come in and say, I'm gonna guarantee you peace, food and a roof over your head. Well, people are gonna go for that. That's why freedom only works for people who have peace, a roof over their head, and something to eat. That's when you want to go from that to democracy. Well, the United States essentially has that, although a lot of people don't. And so the fears here are how much of government control is there going to be? And that is a fear of losing freedom. Okay, I remember Ronald Reagan said, I'm going to get the government off the backs of the people. Okay, well, the Democrats believe that the Republicans want to control aspects of your life. And the Republicans believe that the Democrats want to control aspects of your life. So here we go again, it's control. And what is the, the loss here? What is the fear that you're going to lose is your version of freedom. And that's why I keep getting back to the point that we have to realize that people who have different views than us are not the enemy and you can't demonize them. You know, I mean, I've heard people say, well, Democrats are just stupid. And then I hear people, well, just Republicans are stupid. Um, Hillary Clinton really put her foot in it when she said, well, the people that support Donald Trump are deplorables. All right, then you start seeing the hashtag deplorable lives matter, okay? Um, just because somebody doesn't vote for you doesn't mean they're deplorable and horrible. And, and that has been a problem from the top all the way down is the fear. Let's, the, the, you're turning people that should be your neighbor into your foe because you're afraid that they stand for a freedom that you are going to lose. And I don't really think that that's the case. And I'm hoping that in the bigger scheme of things, most Americans get that. There is a little country I call it little, but something happened yesterday. I think we can Google it. I'll spell it. M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. Some people say Myanmar. Some people say Myanmar. And Su'u Ki'i was poised for a second term win. 
she was. This is a little country. And if you Google it, you will see an image. And what you will see in the image that people that came out in this, let's call it small country, you will see lines of people. Not only, I wish I had the image to show everybody, but just look, I think NPR had a great photo of it. You see lines of people, not just with masks on. Let me show you what they have on. They have masks, they have face shields, they have hair nets, and the line goes farther and farther out. This was their second chance for freedom. This was a way to step forward and continue to reelect a chancellor for freedom. 66,000 cases and over 1,500 deaths. And turnout was higher than expected. Millions cast ballots for candidates for freedom. See, that's the energy that's happening here too. Yes. As much as we're talking about an election, my hat goes off to 140 plus million people that do remember this is freedom and you have a choice because that is the one thing Viktor Frankl did talk about. He says, I have a choice. I have a choice to choose. I will choose what I think. I will choose what I see. I will choose what I put in my mind. But look at this line. If you have a minute to Google this today, M-Y-A-N-M-A-R, 66,000 cases, small, 1,500 deaths, and yet their turnout was reported higher than expected, and they don't have mail-in votes. And so today is for us, as you walk into this week, just say amen to freedom, right, Mark? You know, that, that, that's a fascinating point. This is the biggest voter turnout in history. Now, whether it was fear that did it, it's... It, in the in the greater sense, seeing that many Americans who care enough or are afraid enough go out and vote, it reminds me of um, uh, um, one of my favorite movies, or um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and King Arthur's going by a bunch of peasants, and somebody goes, "Well, how did you get to be king?" He said, well, the lady of the lake came forth and gave me this fort Excalibur that I may rule over all of Britain, and the peasants they're like. Strange women lying around in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a populist form of government. <laughs> Boy, but would I love to see that. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for today. And let's remind everybody, a different show tonight at 4 o'clock, The Psychic and the Doc. We're going to come out of the gate with phone lines open because we want to help guide the pathway to really step into the freedom of more than just trust.